0: Hi, this is Ken Navarro. It is Friday, June 13th, 2008, and on Tuesday, June 17th, my brand new CD, my 18th, The Grace of Summer Light, will be released. This is a a life changing CD for me, a CD that has taken me all these years of playing and composing music. To get to the point where I could make this CD, it's something I'm really proud of, and so I wanted to do a podcast where I shared with you uh, some of the things that went into the composing of the music and the playing of the music and the actual recording. So so anyway, let's get started. The very first tune on the CD is called Just Before the Dawn, parentheses, Prelude, and it was the very last piece of music that I put together and recorded but it was actually the very first piece of music that I wrote. Um, The album begins with Just Before the Dawn, a short 30-second four-guitar version of it, and the album ends with the full version of Just Before the Dawn, the way that I um, wrote it for piano, acoustic guitar, acoustic bass, and strings. Um, But the reason that the first part came... Last in terms of the recording, but, but was the first thing that I wrote, is because back when uh, I started to write the music in the fall of 2007, I took a trip all by myself to a pretty quiet beach in Maryland, and I spent three days there just writing music on a nylon string guitar with a cheap tape recorder to just capture anything I thought was worth capturing. And I wrote this piece on a, uh, like for solo uh, guitar just before the dawn. And, um, you know, there were a lot of things that I wrote that I ended up not using at all. There were other things I wrote where they became the impetus to create a full song. And then there were things like this that were written in their entirety right there. Um, but, you know, when I got, got back home and I got in my studio and I started writing all of the music for the record, um, just before the dawn... Went from a solo classical piece, guitar piece, to a piece, as I said, for piano, nylon string guitar, acoustic bass, and strings. And that was the way that I heard it. So I wrote all the other music. I demoed it all out. And then I started thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if the album, since, since it's such an album of stories, each song is like a story. And the way they're they're linked together is like one like they're chapters in a book, wouldn't it be cool if I could start the CD with another version of Just Before the Dawn like the way that I wrote it? So I started practicing that solo classical guitar version, and I got pretty good at it, but I never felt like I could be as expressive as I wanted to be with, with, with what I'd written. It was just physically a, a demanding piece to play as a solo guitar piece. Um, so uh, I recorded each of the four parts individually one on each guitar and and it just really opened up it became like i was able to be very expressive i even added certain things to the parts that i couldn't have played when i was doing it as a solo guitar piece and that section of it that 30 seconds of it that became the kickoff so to speak the, the the prelude for the album um And then it goes into, uh, without a break, it goes right into the Blue Skies, Bright Dreams, which was originally going to be the opening track, just as it was. Um, But now it just seemed that much more effective. (laughs) ¶¶ the songs on this CD started first as concepts. In other words, as ideas I had, as in, I wonder if I can write a piece of music that does this. And then another one would be, I wonder if I can write a piece of music that uses these kinds of techniques. So what I'm saying is these pieces didn't start off as a a rhythm or a, a set of chords, or a melody—they really started off as ideas in my head, almost like I was challenging myself um, to write in a way and to write with a complexity and a depth that I had never written with before. So, "Blue Skies, Bright Dreams"—the concept for that one was: I want to write something that's that's just like for a live group, you know, guitar keyboards, bass, and drums. And that was my concept. I'm gonna write this thing that that's all it is. No other instruments, no other production. You would play it live just like you hear it here. But like almost every concept and every time somebody writes this way, the concept is really a runway. It's a way for you to get an idea and get yourself going. And trust me, when you're trying to write music, anything, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that gets you, gets you going, and and gets you passionate about something is good, uh, especially at the early stages of of composing because that's when you feel the most like you're rubbing two sticks together, you know, trying to get some, some fire going. So, blue skies, bright dreams became this almost six, seven minute long piece that ended up with way more instruments than just the the basic quartet. Um, There's lots of keyboard parts, lots of guitar parts. It goes through all these changes. Like every other song on the record, it's really a story within itself. Um, So, but that was the original concept for it. And I think one of the most remarkable, the the things that strike me the most about this this piece uh, is the fretless bass uh, playing that Tom Kennedy does. Um, the, that was a the, that's that's a part that I wrote and played on the demo, but Tom really gave it something else that 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 uh, is not that easy to do. When you're a player and somebody wants you to play a part that sounds improvised, it's not easy to play their notes and make it sound like it came out of your head. But boy, Tom really really does that, and just it, there are places, moments in in how he played my. My, my fretless bass melody that I just, I, I wait for them because they just make me go, oh, I, I, I love them. The other thing I think that is noticeable from a performance standpoint are Jay Rowe's many keyboard parts that just blend so well with the ones that I did in the demo and he just really got the spirit of, of the piece and contributed these secondary melodies that are, are, are almost, it's hard to imagine him not being there, for example his horn part is just you know embedded in my mind now. The title track, The Grace of Summer Light, was a key track for me because this was the first thing that I wrote that was a complete, expansive tune um, that really encompassed all the values that I wanted to be projected in this record. I wanted it to be a very deep, complex piece using rhythms that I'd never used before, um, but yet at the same time, very warm very inviting, beautiful, that just takes you on a journey like a magic carpet ride. Um, and so this was a key song for me because it had to work. Otherwise, I, I don't know that I would have continued with the project. So I really poured myself into this. Um, and the the concept for this one, uh, if you remember, like I was saying, every song comes from sort of some kind of an idea I have. The concept with this was to work from a very unusual time signature. and In the case of this one, believe it or not, the time signature in my mind was 26-8. And what that means is 26-8th um, notes occur before that pattern be- starts to begin again. Now the whole piece isn't in 26-8, it's, it's an almost eight-minute long piece, so there, it starts off in 7-8 time, and then it then it then it goes into 268, and then it goes into 44, and then it returns. You know, it's 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 really quite a trip. Um, you know, I think one of the, the the best things about the song is that you can listen to it and not have any idea that that kind of a of a complex um, time signature is going on. If you want to listen for that, you can, and you can marvel at how particularly well Joel Rosenblatt handles those, that, those very odd time signature uh, and makes it just totally flow. But frankly, we all do in this, and um, uh, I'm very proud that my composing has that kind of a seamless quality where you're, you're able to feel that rhythm without being jarred in any way by it. The fourth track is what everything up to this point in the CD has been leading up to. Uh, up to this point, you know, I'm hinting at the fact that—well, that, uh, that the, well, more than hinting, I guess, but I'm, I'm really, really charting new, new territory and, um, and going there. But On My Way to Somewhere, track four completely opens, opens it up. Um, this is a, a, an over nine-minute-long piece that has three distinctly different parts to it. The first part is in 7-4 time, and the concept on this song basically started out as I wanted to write something that was really, really rhythmically groovy, but in 7-4 time, so that you really, you know, move to it, but it's in this odd time signature. And so I started with a bass line. Da-da. And anyway, that's, that's what you hear. And then I just started layering pieces on top of each other, almost like a puzzle where they're fitting together, but it's, like, it's more like a kaleidoscope, a puzzle that's a kaleidoscope. And um, once I ex- felt like I had taken that as far as it could go, um, then it breaks down into the second concept I had, which is can I write something that's very orchestral, that's for flute, and cello, and strings, and bowed bass, and classical guitar, and harmonica. Can I somehow make, make that work? And so that's part two. And then that segues out rather dramatically into the third concept that I had, which was combining, can I combine the folk elements, uh, the acoustic folk elements that were so much a part of my, my early part of being a musician with the jazz sensibility and the improvisational spirit that I so am involved in now. And that's what you have there, you have two strumming guitars, who by the way are playing the chord pattern that you're hearing in part one of, of the piece, um, but now in a completely different context with upright bass and, and, and acoustic drums, acoustic piano, strings, uh, percussion, um, and it's me basically playing a four minute long improvised solo, but playing it as as much like every note matters as possible and then Tom Kennedy's brilliant underpinning that he's doing with the acoustic bass and Joel's very sensitive cymbal work, um, uh, Jay's beautiful string part uh, and that's on my way to somewhere. It's really a tour de force and I, I must say there are quite a few radio stations that are playing it in its entirety and that, that just thrills me because that it's like they get it, you know, and uh, uh, it's so cool to think that that's going over the airwaves, and, and people are still able in this day and age to hear real music. track five was kind of an experiment. The concept here was, can I do a song that's nothing but guitars? (laughs) Um, And so what you hear on Perfect Circle Sun is six electric guitars, two nylon string guitars, and then another electric guitar where I tuned it down a fourth below so that I could play the bass guitar parts on a regular guitar, and that's what Perfect Circle Sun is. So, <clears throat> compositionally, this one is probably about as close as I get on the CD to a song form, a, a traditional song form. But even then, it has, it has moments that are surprising, um, uh, peaks that don't occur when they normally would occur, and um, a release at the end that comes out of nowhere, really. Um, so for me, you know, I was just trying to describe a sunrise, what it's like when when the sun comes up, and at the end, the sun finally is fully up, and hence the title, Perfect Circle Sun. concept with track six, Daddy-O, was um, a couple things. First off, one of the themes that's flowing through this whole CD is the way I remember spending summers as a kid growing up in the Washington, D.C. area. I remember a, a days where we didn't have camp or summer school or any of that. We just went out in the morning and we did stuff. Then we came back and we had lunch, and then we went back out and we did stuff again until dinner, and then we went back out again until it was dark, and then we finally came in for the night. (laughs) That was summer. It was just real different than how it is for a lot of kids now, and it was great. And so part of what was running through this, the theme of this CD was recreating what a day was like in the summer of a a 9 or a 10 or an 11-year-old back in the early 60s. Uh, Daddy-O is trying to get some of that spirit, some of that beatnik 50s spirit. But it's also saying, as a musician, I'm saying to myself and as a composer, can I write a song that goes a long time using just the same eight notes? And that's what that opening figure is. And then I just try twisting that around. I, the chords are made out of those notes. Um, the, uh, when it goes into the second section, I'm still working from those notes. And, and that's that's again you know I, I have to I don't mean to repeat myself too much but the fact is that these are all launching pads or runways or whatever you want to think of them as which get you into a full-blown composition so that's where Daddio was coming from I, I particularly um, enjoy uh, Joel Rosenblatt's drum work on this I mean he plays beautifully throughout but man after the, the guitar solo he just does some great soloistic playing, and um, this is one of the ones we're going to be playing live, and I'm really looking forward to hearing him, him stretch out live on it. Track seven, Nomad, is one of the two songs that I co-wrote with other composers for this CD. Everything else I wrote all by myself. Nomad was written with my longtime keyboardist, Jay Rowe. He basically came up with the groove, and then the pian- he wrote the whole section that is the piano solo, which is completely you know, its own piece of music within the piece of music. Uh, Nomad, again, an eight minute long tune. So I, I wrote everything up to the piano solo, then Jay wrote the entire section that I call the piano solo, and then it's back to the stuff that I wrote. Um, th- this, this is really an interesting piece of music for me. It's pretty inspired, at least the, the first parts, are inspired by um, my love of music that certain composers like Philip Glass and Steve Reich have done, where it's all about texture and pieces that come in and out very much a kaleidoscope feel and I think if, especially in the first couple minutes you, if you you know you really gotta listen hard <laughs> and with headphones to really hear the many many pieces that are making this, this puzzle fit together uh, and then of course it develops into a very jazzy uh, long guitar solo at the end which uh, I really uh, that's the playing that I primarily did on the demo and I I don't know I just was so loose on the demo, it's what I ended up using on the final CD. Track eight is called Looking Everywhere for You. And this is one um, that I wrote with a keyboardist that I met on a show I did um, last year in Detroit. His name's Dale Grissa. And um, he sent me basically the, the the melody for this. And then I took it and made some changes and wrote a whole big, long bunch of sections in the middle and then we return back to his melody at the end and I again did some things to it and did some things to the to the ending and but this was one of those things where we never we didn't write at the same time in the same place in fact it was all done by email but it just seemed like he and I had a had a place where we where where we stylistically really really felt strongly about and loved and and it was just really interesting for me to work this way and i think the piece we came up with is is pretty seamless i think if i didn't tell people who wrote what i don't think they'd think too much about it but um neat for me because the melody for this is probably not something i'd write on my own um and uh uh, some of the chord changes are are things i probably wouldn't do on my own and and i love i love what dale did and so it's pretty cool and and of course the sections i wrote in the middle are are i don't know i mean i'm i they're they're very very ethereal in places, but I just think there's a, such a beautiful mood. And again, Jay Rowe just did a wonderful job of taking all of my keyboard parts and extending them and adding to them in such a way that just made them that much richer. Nine is really a going for it track i mean everybody played so well on this it in order for this piece to even be realized the way that i imagined it 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 needed virtuoso musicians and though the primary thing that i was looking for with tom on bass and joel on drums as the rhythm section was incredible musicianship and sensitive um Interaction with, with 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 my music and with my guitar playing, everything also required that they be incredible players on their instruments. And We Might As Well Dance certainly shows that. Now, Tom mostly played upright bass on this album. I mentioned that he played fretless on Blue Sky's Bright Dreams. But on We Might As Well Dance, he plays electric bass. And as brilliant as he is on acoustic, he's just as brilliant on the electric bass. His, his bass lines are just mesmerizing and i must say that if, if if you don't think about it he makes it sound so easy you might not realize what's going on so I, I, I urge you to listen hard to what he's playing and then of course Joel is just just soaring on this one um, I had so much fun doing my electric guitar solo, the big solo at the end um, after, after Joel had done his drums because it just there were just so many beautiful moments um, that gave me a lot of inspiration and ideas. So, We Might As Well Dance is, is, is me really running towards the sun, so to speak. It, it's compositionally, it's, it's, it's the peak moment of the album in terms of not only energy, but a sense of driving towards something. And, and embedded in this CD is, is, as I said, the journey of, of a day, you know, a day um, in the summer. As as, as as somebody growing up in the 50s and 60s but there's also a, a spiritual search going on throughout this record and I don't think it takes too much of a stretch to hear it and, and to see it in the titles of the tunes and we might as well dance is me running towards it you know I'm no longer looking working my way I'm, I'm literally I'm literally sprinting and the music is sprinting and that's why it was written the way it is and that chord, that it ends on and just sits on is, is my way of, of, of trying to express something you can't express. <laughs> it's as close as I can get with what I've got, which is music. Finally, track ten, the final track, is the return to that piece we talked about before, just before the dawn, and it's in its fully blown two and a half minute version um, with piano, acoustic piano, acoustic guitar, acoustic bass, and strings, and it just seemed like a very fitting way to kind of let the credits roll, so to speak, and have this be the thing that puts the 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 um, the bow on the package um it it it's almost a cla- like as if a class i'm not sure how i wrote this because it's it's as if there was another composer in me i i i don't mean that to sound egotistical i just mean in fact the opposite it's as if i didn't have a lot to do with it um some of the other musicians have commented that it sounds like and they name a, com- a classical composer, you know uh, th- that it sounds like a mo- what they would write if they were living now. i I don't know if it's in that kind of league. I, but I do think that it's coming from this other place that that um, um, that must be in me, but but only when you put yourself into a project the way I put myself into this, do you reach those places. Um, it it. Uh, it it feels, it feels like the end of a journey um, and it feels like there's some peace to it that, that I wanted to convey and I wanted the, the record to, to end with. Well, that's it. That's my podcast for the brand new CD, The Grace of Summer Light. You can get it at my website. You can get it at retail stores. You you can get it online all over the place. But uh, I hope you'll get it from my website because when you get it there, I, I, I actually fill your order myself. I sign your CD. And um, it gives me great pleasure when I see them come in directly to me. But hey, any way you want to get it (laughs) is great with me. I just, it's so important to me to share this music and to have people hear it. Um, and, uh, And I appreciate and thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Until the next time, this is Ken Navarro.